Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, that podcast, once again, that you're going to be forced to listen to. It's designed to simplify that complex job of managing and leading people. I'm already laughing. The goal for today, like all of our podcasts, is to help you get at least one proven practical idea that will help you run a more sustainable and successful business. In no particular order, today's guest, he's an athlete, believe it or not, he is. He's a good friend by now. He's an expert about several things. One of them is PR and marketing. He's a curious learner. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed being around him is the fact that he's helped me learn and become better at, at my craft, I think. He loves to have fun, which is why I was laughing in the intro. And he uh, he's also got an enjoyment of the, the brown waters that involve uh, alcohol. So if it's a, a bourbon or a whiskey, he's he's all for talking about it and tasting it. He is Joel Kessel. And uh, Joel, welcome to the Ed Epley experience. Ed, it already is an experience. Yes. And uh, it's uh, <laughs> a pleasure to finally be on your show. So uh, I'm really excited and looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you. I <laughs> owe so much to Joel Kessel. There are certain things that Ed Epley would not have done had we not met. And I'm trying to remember when we met. I know it was Aileron and a course for presidents, but how long ago was that? I want to say that was about four or five years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. I would have guessed at least five, but yeah. probably it could have been four, but it, it has been a while. So do you remember anything at all about the first day the when you came into that room and what was going on in your head after a few minutes of listening to me? Yeah, I said, what in the world am I doing here? Right. No. Um, you know what? Straight shooter. I, I think I had, had raised my hand and and commented on something and you immediately pointed out a flaw or pointed out something <laughs> I said. And I'm like, oh, I better hang on here. This, this guy's not holding back. So, you know what? Despite all that, within the first two minutes, I came back for day two. You did come back. You, I, yeah. did, not, I did not permanently scar you. Well, I may have permanently scarred you, but not sufficient yeah. to keep you from coming back to day two. I think we probably didn't spend a huge amount of time talking at breaks or anything those first two days, but it, it resulted in a follow-up conversation, what, 30, 60 days later? Yeah, I, you know, I think during one of those breaks, we found out that we live in the same community here outside of Columbus and Dublin. And uh, from there, we're like, you know what, let's grab coffee sometime and get to know each other a little bit better. So there was a time where I think we kind of supported each other. I tried to help you with where your PR business was at the time, public relations and marketing business was. And then you really helped me in terms of getting a strategy in my head for PR and brand and and what I wanted the Ed Epley uh, experience and organization to be. And and so there was a lot of give and take in our initial conversations. Yeah, I, I may have been taking a little bit more than giving, so I really appreciate that. But uh, yes, there was a lot of give and take early on. <laughs> uh, you know, we need to talk about how you got into the PR public relations business. But before that, you were an athlete, still are an athlete, but you were an athlete and you were at Ohio State, right? We're in football season right now. 
I yes, I was. It's funny. I've never had that in my intro on, on anything before to say that he's an athlete at, you know, 51 years old. Well, so thank I, you. You're in good shape. You're in good shape. I, I, yeah, you're yeah. the mean fighting machine. So what was your position? How long with the Buckeyes and so forth? Just just to complete that. Yeah. So I was a, a punter and a holder for extra points and field goals. So there was always a chance when we had the ball, I was going to, I was going to get in in some capacity. So I was a backup in 91 and I, I started in all 12 games in 92. Incredible memories still to this day. Just the fact, uh, you know, the story to, to even get there, you know, is, uh, oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty special for me. Were you a walk on? I was. And, and actually, I, I don't know if you know, this part of the story, but I started out at the University of Dayton. Oh. I was I was there for two years, and at that time they were a Division three school. Yep, and I was beating everybody. At, they yeah they were my sophomore year. They won the uh, national championship for Division three. Yeah. Now at best I was probably a fifth string defensive back and punter. Um, it just wasn't going to happen for me. So when I wasn't invited back for two-a-days going into my junior year, I did what any normal, logical thinking athlete would do, and that would be to go to one of the biggest universities <laughs> in the country and walk on, right? <laughs> Which is what exactly what I did. <laughs> it explains a, a lot of the tumblers fell into place with that just being being said. I've just learned a whole other phase of who you are, but keep going, keep going. Yeah. So, you know, walked on and went through the steps that I had to go through. John Cooper was head coach then, right? That's right. John Cooper was head coach. Kirk Herbstreet was uh, was our quarterback. Joey Galloway yep. was on that team. Yep. Some really, really great athletes. And, you know, the first year I had to sit out. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. The very first time I ever witnessed a game at Ohio State was after I walked on. Oh my! Not, you know, I grew up in Ohio. I'm a big Buckeye fan, but I'd never been to a game. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. Yeah. So you walked on, made it through all of the trials and tribulations, and so were you there two years or one? I was there for three years. So okay. my first year, I had to sit out. Okay. The second year, '91, I was a backup, and then '92, I was the starting punter and holder. That's amazing. That's that's really cool. I, I, so many stories we could talk about, but in oh, the yeah. interest of time, we're gonna we're gonna save those maybe for another one. So you went directly into PR after graduating from from college. Uh, I did. I uh, majored in journalism with a focus in PR, and within uh, about ten months, moved to Chicago. Had a job opportunity with a small boutique agency on Michigan Avenue, and. Went to, went off from there. After about two and a half years, went to a much larger agency, exposed me to all kinds of experiences there. And from there, went and worked as the director of PR and communications at the National MS Society for oh, the uh, okay. Northern Illinois chapter. And from there, broke off on my own. And that was 21-ish years ago. So what caused you to say you wanted to have your own business? When did you recognize you had that entrepreneurial itch? It's funny you ask that question, and I, I typically don't go there, but this is a, a left turn, if you will. So I wanted to pursue a career in commercial voiceover, believe uh, it or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was in speech and theater in high school, worked at a radio station. That was one of my summer jobs back home, and that exposed me to that experience. And so I just had this itch 
to always get behind the microphone again in some capacity. And Chicago is just an excellent market for that type of work. You're right. So I I did uh, commercial voiceover work and a little bit of on-camera work improv for about three years. I was in a two-man band during that time. I was just, you know, exploring my creative side, if you will. (laughs) I am learning so much about JK today, Joel Kessel. A two-man band. Yeah. Oh, I got to hear the name. What was the name of the? Uh, really, it was Brad very rich. Joel. <laughs> we really thought long and hard about this, and the only reason it's Brad first and Joel is alphabetically Brad comes first. <laughs> so, uh, I I almost <laughs> I almost want to listen to some of that music. I'm not sure I do, but I I may have to hear that at some point. All right, so. You started as a one-man shop. Did you have any customers, any clients when you started, or did you did you start with nothing going for you other than your talent? I had one agency that I was doing freelance work for, and that gave me the ability to, and the flexibility, to do the voiceover work, go on auditions and, and do gigs and, and things of that nature. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give this about six months and if uh, if it's a train wreck, I can always go back and, and get a job. I know enough people at this point, you know, in Chicago. And after six months, it, it came and went. And I was doing a lot of freelance work for agencies in the city. And after about three years, I was just thinking, and where do I want to go from here? And the whole voiceover work, I was like, well, I turned over that rock. The PR work was really picking up. And it was more reliable, if yeah. you will. And I enjoyed it. And and during that time, that's when I got my entrepreneurial bug. Because Ed, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, working at the big agency, we would hire freelancers. Okay. And every time, I, every time we would hire somebody, I would be thinking, how in the world could they do that? It just seemed too risky, yeah. right, yeah. for me. Yeah. But once I got into it, just like a lot of things, I think all of us, it's, you know, once you walk through that threshold, if you will, and you think back, it's like, what, what was the big deal? You know, and that's, that was the case for me. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, but that's been one of the gifts you've given me in our relationship is a, a lot of times things that I found, I thought were daunting, like doing a podcast or yeah. <laughs> building a website or <laughs> any of that stuff. I, I was just like, I, I it was either, I don't know how to do it. I wouldn't know how to begin, or I don't want to do it and I'm not going to begin. And so Joel has been really instrumental in helping me do some of the things that have helped me round out the Ed Epley brand, if you will, and and made it fun to do it, quite frankly. I can't imagine not doing podcasts now. I love it. And and it wouldn't have happened without you. Well, you do a great job with it. I mean, well, I, you, you know, I, I listen to your stuff and I'm like, this guy's been doing this for a while, but it's <laughs> been what, six months? I think we started uh, close to the beginning of the year. I think, okay. I think it's a little longer than six, like nine months now, but it's, I love them and I get so much from them. I, I don't know whether anybody else does, but I do. So that's the good news. Well, you know what, Ed, I have to say is one of the true joys of getting to work with you and guys like you is you do take the perspective or advice, if you will, and you go with it. And you have that attitude of, hey, we're going to give this a go. It makes a lot of sense. And if it doesn't work, well, we're going to learn something along the way. Right, right. Well, well, most of the audience that listens to this knows me well enough to know that I don't take coaching very well from very many people. I am not someone who 
just will take feedback or input from people that just want to offer it. I'll listen, but you know, I may give the illusion that I'm I'm going to do something with it, but the truth is the mind's not that open for a lot of feedback that that people might want to give me. I'm sure that they pick up on that one way or the other, but with Joel, mm-hmm. one of the things you've somehow from the first time we met, you've offered your thoughts and ideas and and inputs in such a way that it's always been offered up as a gift and offered up with uh, the sincerest of intentions and it's worked. And so more often than not, what I've found is that as a result of your inputs, you know, business has been improved for it. My life's been better for it. And so I'd be foolish not to continue to listen. So it makes it pretty easy at this point when you have an idea. So I keep waiting for, okay, what's next? And (laughs) there's going to be another thing we have to do to make this business better. You are no longer in the PR business. And I want to give you some time to talk about what you've morphed into. Before we leave PR, I think it's such a, relatively speaking for most B2B kinds of companies, it's not really well thought of or known or understood. It's a best and necessary evil. Um, I don't know if you feel that way or not, but that's kind of how I, I, I think most people worry about PR after they need it. You are exactly right. And I think that I became frustrated at times because it was number seven or eight on the list of priorities with with leaders and business owners and, and CEOs. And But the feedback I kept getting from clients and people when I was doing the PR work was, what else can you do for me? Or what else can we be doing? And I started asking better questions and just being curious in, well, if you're coming to me for quote unquote PR, one, what does that mean to you? And and number two, what else are you doing? I view PR and strategic communications, if you will, more as an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. But part of that, it isn't just, do we sound right? Me as as a leader, a business owner, a CEO, I have to truly with deep inside me, believe it. Mm hmm. It, it you know you talk about you know cynic and start with why and those sorts of concepts you know you talk a lot about meaning and, and purpose what's the purpose of your organization right and if it's not genuine and authentic and and it doesn't mean something or, or there's not a deeper purpose then why are we talking about PR quote mm, unquote right the more experience I got the more I guess frustrated I, I got the more bold I became in asking those deeper type questions even outside of PR. And I think that's what started to kick me into the direction of of doing more coaching and, and advising and what I'm doing now is just asking those deeper, bigger, more important questions, I believe, that would have a longer, greater impact on an organization and their people than just, hey, can you write a press release for yeah, us? right. It seems to me if I think about your journey and in in where your business is today and where it was five years ago, you've kind of moved up hierarchically in where the owner does their thinking or should do their thinking. And PR might be more of a tactical thing. And then strategy obviously is at a higher level, but at its highest level, it's who am I as an individual as I run this business who am I? What do I know about myself? What are my strengths, my weaknesses? What do I personally want from the business? Those are those are the places where you now spend most of your time, correct? 
Absolutely. Those are the conversations that I, I get most excited to have. And, you know, I can tell when I'm poking and prodding and it might get a little uncomfortable, but that's not because that's what I intend to do. It's because I truly do care about, you know, the person I'm talking to and want to be able to push them to to be the best that they can be. And yeah, you're right. I mean, at, at a very high level, that's where I believe I can have the most value and impact on an individual or an organization. You're right. The PR stuff is more of a tactical type thing. But I, I bring that background, you know, to the table. I think that's part of, you know, what I like about the journey that I've been on. And I bring those experiences and that understanding of positioning and messaging and you know, well, if you say it this way, or if you position yourself out in the marketplace this way, I'm looking at it from, well, how's that consumer or that person on the other side going to view you? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we're only thinking about ourselves and not thinking about the bigger picture of, well, how is the marketplace going to react to this? Where does PR end and policy and political positioning begin because to me that those lines have gotten really blurred that that if I'm a business today I've got to be thinking about the political consequences of whatever I make sell offer to the marketplace and at some point somebody's gonna you know there there's going to be legislation either locally statewide or even nationally that could affect the business model that I have so I'm curious about how much do those overlap? Oh, they're, they're tremendously. You know, in the past, I've worked with uh, various associations yeah. who did a lot of advocacy type work. Right. And, you know, the focus there was all around messaging. You know, what is the message? Why, why is this important? Not to you, but why is this important to your members? But more importantly, to the people that your members are helping constituents that vote for your members or the yeah. legislature. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot of that positioning and, and thinking through the positioning and, and why this is a value and a benefit to that end, uh, to that constituent, if, if you will. And then from there, it's, it's just a matter of, all right, well, how are we going to manage the message? What's, what's the opposition going to be saying? Right. So point counterpoint, and how are we going to be in the best position possible for us to talk and articulate and communicate that message clearly in a, in a way that's understandable to get our constituents to understand what we're all about. Did you do many political campaigns? No, I've worked with a handful of associations that where we did do some, some advocacy work story for another day. But before I moved to Chicago, I worked for a local politician for about three months. Okay. And, and between you and me and, and everyone else listening, I guess, there's a reason why it lasted three months. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, we, maybe, maybe over some, uh, some brown liquor, we can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brown, <laughs> brown liquor. We may, we may have to have some more conversation about yeah. that. I don't know if you remember when we first started talking about the podcast, the whole goal initially was that this was going to be me talking to somebody else while we were having a glass of wine or a glass of, of uh, bourbon, but it just, it's never lend itself, especially since some of these podcasts get recorded at 8, 8, 8 a.m. in the morning. I just didn't think it was probably conducive, but <laughs> yeah, I, the, yeah. the rest of the day would have been shot. Um, <laughs> let's talk about what you're doing now. And you're now focused principally on executive coaching, correct? If we define it that way, is that is that fair or is that too narrow a description? 
Executive coaching and peer group mentoring, if you will. Okay. All right. And you're flying your flag now underneath the banner of Vistage? Yes. I still have Kessel Strategies, and I'm still doing strategic planning work primarily for nonprofit organizations. Okay. But uh, yes, with, with Vistage, I am working directly with CEOs, presidents, and executives one-on-one as well as in a group setting. Why Vistage? I guess I come back to most people who do coaching. It seems they seem to have a model that they've embraced. What was it about the Vistage model that you said, okay, I want to, that's the model I'm going to use? I'm a former member. I was actually in a group about six years ago and experienced the benefits of that group uh, during a time when, you know, around right before you and I met, I, okay. you know, and I was still thinking, what what do I want to do when I grow up? Right. It, this this PR world isn't isn't feeding my soul right now. So what is it that I'm good at and really do want to do? So I experienced, you know, I would take that to the, my Vistage group and, and talk it through. So I had that experience of the power of Vistage. And back in at the end of 2019, they recruited me and said, hey, we need a lot of help in central Ohio. We know you're familiar with it. And would you be interested in possibly becoming one of the new chairs okay. here in central Ohio? So it was much as anything, it was a familiarity with the product, the brand, and how, Absolutely. And how you had benefited from it. And, and quite honestly, you know, Ed, it was, uh, I was having, you know, once this was happening, I was having coffee with another mentor. And I said, you know, I, I'm a solo. And I just wish I had some people to turn to at times to just bounce some things off of. And immediately he said, you've got to do the Vistage. It got me excited because I knew I knew the brand. I'm familiar with uh, with what they're all about. But the other chairs here in central Ohio, just being able to work more closely with them. Yeah. Highly successful guys who I admire a lot and just the opportunity to to learn and grow from them, as well as from Vistage and all the resources and, and tools and, and things that, that they offer. For me, it was more exponential growth instead of trying to figure things out on my own. Right. Yeah. And there's just so many resources and, and I've learned a ton, you know, just in the last six months through Vistage. I would think they have to be the number one national brand when it comes to executive coaching. I'd I'd be hard-pressed to pick another name that that would be as prevalent. I think they position themselves as one of the largest in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad glad you found them, and I'm glad they found you because I think it's a good fit. You know, you've seen a lot of executives over your career now, what, 30 years, give or take almost. And by the way, Folks, he looks a lot better at his age, uh, at 50 or whatever he is today than I did at that time. So I give him a lot of credit. <laughs> Hence, the, the word athlete had to come out. <laughs> what are some of the things that you think that business owners do or not do that keeps them from running a better business in general? And I'm, I'm not looking for one thing yet. I'm, I'm just looking for the shopping list. That these are the traps or the things that get in the way of executives and owners from being able to to be more successful? You know, ego comes to mind, um, getting out of their own way, you know, being open to other insights and and not being fake about it because they feel as a leader, they've, they've got to ask, well, what do you guys think? Yeah. And they all already know what the answer is. And, you know, you know, people can see right through that. Being surrounded by really good people, 
having a strategy, understanding what, what the strategy is, but not limiting it to just the CEO and the executive leadership team, but getting perspectives from many people throughout the organization as well as outside the organization. So just having that, that broader understanding, not being afraid to roll up their sleeves and, and be in shoulder to shoulder with their own people. I was talking earlier with a, a bank president. And, you know, he says one of the things they they encourage all of their branch managers to do is, hey, if someone calls in sick, you're going to step up, be a teller for a day. That's what's expected. They're a leader in that position, you know, and and being okay with that. Who was it? Management by walking? Management by walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Great concept. Very easy to do. But it's amazing when I have that type of conversation with with some leaders, it's it's new. Like really, um, there's a lot of simple things that 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 we can do as leaders that can really make a big difference and impact. Um, and for some reason, I don't know why why it's so hard. Yeah, I don't know if there's a persona out there that we've got to live up to a certain persona. You know this. We as leaders, being vulnerable mm-hmm. is is an asset and. Being okay with not knowing all the answers. I know it's a lone, it's it's a lonely, lonely job, and and it's lonely at the top. But I said earlier about surrounding yourself with good people. You know, you talk a lot about building trust within you know a leadership team and building that that right. uh, cohesion. There's a lot of conversations and vulnerability that has to occur in order for that environment and that culture to to be created that's going to benefit the entire organization. Well, you've certainly ticked off all the ones I could think of, of what gets in the way of, of people moving forward. Well, that's because I've been paying attention to you the last several years. <laughs> so folks, if you didn't know that, that was Ed talking through me. <laughs> channeling, you're channeling your inner Ed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so th- thank you for that, Ed. <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. Joel, you know, I'm going to ask you, as I ask all my guests, what's that one thing, if they're only going to do one that, that would allow them to become more effective, more successful, either in the teams that they operate or for the business that they run, what, what's that one thing right now that you would say is top of the list. Set the strategy and get out of the way. Uh, it was uh, was it MacArthur who's uh, quoted as saying, "Tell people what to do, don't tell them how to do it. Mm-hmm. They'll surprise you with their ingenuity." Yeah. He's Joel Kessel. Uh, he's got Kessel Strategies as part of his business, but he also uh, is uh, part of Vistage. If people want to reach you, Joel, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, they can check out my website at KesselStrategies.com, and that's K-E-S-S-E-L, Strategies. They can all always check me out on LinkedIn at Joel Kessel. And I'm looking forward to always looking to connect with really good people out there on LinkedIn. Joel is somebody you need to have your connections with. Uh, he is a person who shares and gives really almost selflessly to other people and his connections, the people that he knows who can help you in your journey and your business are, are remarkable. For example, Sean and Audivita, who do our production as a result of Joel Kessel uh, making that referral to me, and Lori Zinn, who helps me with PR, and Thad Devasi, who helps me with uh, writing and blogs. I mean, all of those people are Joel Kessel connections. 
So uh, I would really encourage you to connect with Joel because he's he's somebody who keeps his eye out, his head and thinking open for new opportunities. And he's always going to know someone that you might want to know to help you run your business. Joel, it was a real pleasure. I was, I'm honored you took time to be with us today on the Ed Epley Experience. Thanks for being here today. Ed, I'm, I'm honored as well. And I am uh, forever blessed that we met five or so years ago. And I can't wait to see what's next. Me either. Us. Me <laughs> either. I know it will be interesting. Thanks, Joel. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y group.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.